One day, I walked by the field of an old lazy bones and then passed by the vineyard of one who lacks any sense. They were overgrown with weeds, thick with thistles. All the fences were broken down. I took a long look, and I pondered what I saw. And the fields preached me a sermon that I listened to. A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this, it said. You can look forward to a dirt poor life with poverty as your permanent house guest. And that is the wisdom of God for the people of God today. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, I would like to pray to begin my sermon time. If you could bow your heads, please. Lord, through the wisdom of, of old, the wisdom of the ages, passed down to us by those who have come before us in faith, we pray that you would speak to us about our lives here and now and all that we are confronted with and carrying and need to hear from you today for. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I decided to title my sermon today, Old Barns, and I have a nice picture of one there. A couple of months back, I stopped by to visit some old friends of ours that I've known for about 20 years, and wanted to just check and see how I was doing. They were members of a church that I first pastored when we lived in Davie County. And I remember a call that I got just a couple of weeks after I arrived there from from the owner of that farm, who was the father of who I stopped by to visit. And the phone call was quite unexpected, and I didn't know what to make of it. And he said, Preacher, are you ready to get up hay today? And I said, Excuse me? He said, This is Jerry Roy Foster, and I'm calling to see if you can come down after lunch and help us to get up hay for our barns for our cows. Well, I didn't know what he was talking about, really, and I'd never done it before. And so I said, General, what are you talking about? And he said, we need help today. After lunch, you should change into some working clothes and come out to the farm. And if you come at noontime, Mitzi will even fix you a sandwich before we get to work. And I hesitated and said, I've never done it before, J. Roy. And they didn't teach us that in seminary. I was young, in the 20s, that kind of young. And he said, don't worry about it. Just come out. We'll show you what to do. And, and I hesitated enough to say, J. Roy, why did you happen to think of me to call to come and help you do this task? And he said, well, every preacher we've ever had for as long as I've been alive has come out when it's time for us to get up Hey, And besides, I imagine... Some of what I make off my cows will probably make its way into the offering plate to pay your salary one day as well. And so I learned how to get up hay. And I learned what hay fever was. And I learned what, what it was like to work down on the farm, a dairy farm, if you will. I stopped by to see 
uh, his son and, and his wife. They built a house there on the edge of the, the little small family farm. But it looked a lot different than it did 20 years ago. Because the, the, the fields, the pastures had, had become fallow. The implements that were used were kind of rusted over. The barn, the barn that they used to have us put all of that hay up in for the winter for the cows, uh, was empty and starting to fade. And I thought to myself, as I read this this morning, scripture passage, and preparing for this today, that, that the sight that the writer of the proverb came upon must have very much taken him aback like that. To see something that was once thriving and lively and full and, and profitable suddenly looking much different and much dimmer than it was years before. Yeah, even around Pleasant Garden, there are barns that we see. Some of you I know worked in tobacco, whether it was a family farm or, or in the summers growing up, and that's unprofitable, unable to sustain anymore for a small family farm, it seems. I've done weddings in barns now because there's such a glut that people have converted them into dance halls and into wedding venues. There's a great poem I came across by a, a poet named Charles Johnson, and he wrote this. Old barns carry the weight of centuries in their wood. Some lay in faded glory where they once stood. And to tell the truth, I have old barn wood. It's made into picture frames that last and surround the images of my past. I've seen old barns alongside the road and deep in the woodland groves. I've walked inside even though I was trespassing. I could not resist, you know. It felt it was something I could not forego. I must have a picture of hundreds of them, some faded, some painted, some that make me grin. I don't know where to begin telling the stories contained therein. If you could, if I could, I would save all of them. Old barns. I want to use as an allegory today that for life in, in reference to what the, the writer of Proverbs witnessed and saw, the godly wisdom that comes to us today from this proverb. I love that verse... <coughs> 32, I took a long look and pondered what I saw, as Peterson trans, um, trans paraphrased it, and, and the field that I saw preached a sermon to me. And so I want to preach a sermon today based upon that image. What truths can we, can we glean from that? Well, first, there's the, there's the issue of neglect, isn't there? When things are left alone, when they're not used for their intended purpose, when we neglect them, there is a consequence to that, and it usually is decay, right? Things that go unused for their intended purpose tend to, to dwindle, to fall out of, um, out of condition. I remember seeing my great-grandmother's house when I was growing up in East Point, Georgia, near downtown Atlanta, now where the Atlanta-Hartsfield International Airport is. My grandfather built that house in the 1880s, and every summer, because my mom was a school teacher, she would take my sister and I there to visit. My great-grandmother and our extended family, it was a place where we would run and swing on the big oak trees, sit on the porch and the 
glide swings where we would drink Coca-Colas in the little bottles that our grandmother would buy for us because we were making a special trip. Twenty years later, when I arrived in Atlanta for seminary, Jenny and I had moved there. I went to see my great-grandmother's house. She had long since departed this life, and I was shocked and amazed at the condition of her house. This solid, firm house, the roof had sunken in. Weeds were so tall you couldn't even get to walk up to it to the porch. The driveway was in disrepair altogether. And when they came to make room for the next runway at Hartsfield International Airport, the city was preparing to move the house off-site, but it was in such terrible shape that they just had to tear it down and demolish it altogether. Life is like that. We can neglect things so long before they start to decay and they soon begin to fall apart. And that's how it works with houses, isn't it? And with barns. That's how it works with our health. The older you get, the more you realize that you have to maintain what you have or else. That's how it works with business, I understand. And that's how it works with our relationships as well. <coughs> Neglect has a consequence, a price, and, and it is decay. Another lesson in this proverb is that of stewardship, one of taking care of what it is that we've been granted, providing uh, the paint that needs to keep something solid and firm. The attention that is needed for, for relationships to be vital. The, the exercise and the good eating to keep up our health. Being a steward of what we have been gifted and granted by God is an important part and full of wisdom for us to hear, to take care of and not take for granted. Jesus tells that famous parable about stewardship, the talent parable. Do you remember Matthew 25? When an owner, landowner, gives certain amounts of money to three of his servants because he's going off for a long time, and, and he gives to them varying amounts and tells them to be wise with it and take care of it while they're gone. And he comes back, and two of those have neglected to pay any attention to those talents whatsoever. But one has, has given great attention, and, and it's thriving. He has multiplied it. It's been fruitful what he's done with what the landowner's given to him. And to that one, Jesus says that the landowner told him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with, with the little that I've given to you. Now be faithful with the lots that I will give you now to the others. He echoes what is said in this, in this proverb about laziness and says, you lazy and wicked servants, you've taken what I've given and gifted to you and you've done nothing with it. Stewardship is an important part of our, of our life. In our relationships, communication is key. Spending time with those that God has gifted us with and blessed us with is essential. Listening more to those that need us to listen is vital. Asking how people are and being concerned and showing compassion to them is a great step and being a good steward of the relationships that we have. Those in our family, 
those in our marriage, those among our children. Now that all three of my kids are out of the house and no longer front and center in my attention every day, no longer waking me up too early in the morning or staying up and keeping me up too late into the night, I find myself having to be more intentional about staying in touch with them, about connecting with them, about being a good steward of my relationship with them. And it's challenging in a lot of ways for them and for me. And it's changed the dynamic of my relationship with them. And yet I realize they are gifts from God meant to be nurtured and invested in and taken care of. And that's what I'm called to do as a father. There's our relationship with God as well that we can easily let fall into disrepair, right? It's one thing to know about God, isn't it? And to be knowledgeable and mindful and to grasp who it is that God is and even to grasp God's promises. But to neglect a living, breathing relationship with God, well, that will lead to difficulty all along in life. It's a challenge to be prayerful every day and to stay in God's word and hear what God wants us to know for that day and is trying to encourage us and build us up with and even challenge us to stop. And yet, if we don't, into disrepair will fall our spiritual life, and we will be weighted down by the things of the world and worried about all that is out of our control, and we will lose sight of what is most important in the kingdom of God and not just in this world. You know, there was a list of seven deadly sins that the church fathers back in the Middle Ages put together. Do you know what these are, seven deadly sins? There's, there's seven of them. Newsflash there, right? Seven of them, and there are things like gluttony and lust. Can you name any of the other ones? Maybe I'll preach a sermon series on the seven deadly sins sometime. But those fathers, those early church fathers in the Middle Ages, middle church fathers, were putting together that list not so much to, to chew people out and to, to berate people, but to remind them and show them what it is that distracts us in life from keeping front and center, first and foremost, what God wants for our lives. Which, as Jesus simply put, is to love him, and to love our neighbors, those around us, as ourselves. Our relationship with God largely determines how it is we will relate to other people and the vitality with which we will live our lives. And if we allow that to fall into neglect, woe be it unto us to be lazy in that regard. God calls us to something greater. Jesus calls us to that. Well, the final thing that I'll mention this morning is that neglect can easily lead to regrets in life because we have not done what we realized later was very important and we just didn't give it the attention or the detail that we should have. Have you ever found yourself in a place like that, wishing, wondering, gosh, what could I have done different? Why didn't I do this? We carry that stuff around and even let it 
weigh heavy on our souls sometimes because we wish that we had kept the most important things, God and others, first and foremost at the front of our consciousness. I was reminded this past week of that. I got news week before last, at the end of week before last, basically last weekend, that a good friend of mine from growing up, Roger Pegram, I've got a picture of him here back in the day, he died suddenly, 51 years old. He uh, worked for, for my cousin in Charlotte and didn't show up for work one day. And so my cousin Ray called the police. They went over to his house to find out what was going on, and no one answered. They went in, and Roger had had a heart attack. So it took me a few days just to kind of grasp the fact that this childhood friend of mine that I had grown up with, and we had so many experiences coming along, God experiences, and, and going uh, scouting and camping, going to Philmont Hike and to Sea Base in Florida, going to church camp in the summer. We worked as counselors together as Camp Tacoa when we were in college. We stayed in touch across the years. And then suddenly, one day unexpectedly, way too soon, Roger was gone from this world and gone to life in the next. And so I've examined myself and I've wondered, and have you done this before, saying, what did I do everything that I should have done to honor that friendship and that, that gift that God gave me across those years of someone that wanted to stay in touch with me, that, that encouraged me when others didn't feel I was down, that, that found value in me even when I doubted myself. Have you ever asked those questions of, of should have I done something more effectively, like being a friend that I should have? Could I have reached out and spent more time and gotten more involved in his life? Shouldn't I have uh, done more to be a friend as he was a friend to me? All of us have gifts that God has granted to us and given us in this life. And for it to be beneficial and a blessing to us and to those around us, we are called upon to be responsible and be good stewards of our lives and that which has been gifted. Despite our re regrets of not taking the time to give attention to those things that God calls us to, there's always tomorrow, right? Right. The beautiful thing I love about the Christian faith is that, that even though we allow things to fall into disrepair in life, there's always opportunities to reheal a broken connection, to renew or regenerated or, or regenerate um, uh, a lost relationship. There's always something that we can invest in what we have been given and gifted by God. And in doing so, we can preserve it and make it more fruitful and more of a blessing for others in the days ahead. How is it that that this idea of neglect speaks to you today? Where is it in your life that you need to give more attention? As Jesus said from the gospel reading that Kim read today, 
about building our house upon a rock instead of the shifting sands of the world that so easily can be right here front and center today and swept away tomorrow. Where is it that you place your hope? I, I pray and I hope today that this proverb speaks to you that it should be in Christ Jesus our Lord in his commands to, to love God first above all things and to love others next and allow all the other things that we have, even the material things that we're called to be stewards of, to take their proper place in life. If we will follow Jesus, he will so order our lives that we live in fruitful and in blessing places 